Glad you're here today with us, whether you're in person or online. It's good to be together. It's good to be reminded of these uh, songs in worship today, that we have a sovereign God who cares for us, whose love for us, whose name is powerful and mighty. And so as we step into a uh, time of teaching this morning, I just want to focus our hearts back on where we've uh, been coming from and where we're going to. And so briefly, just thinking through last week, we talked about disciples are formed and live out our mission in the everyday stuff of life right? Uh, coming to a gathering, whether online or in person, isn't what forms you or shapes you singularly as a disciple, right? No different than any of you that learned to drive a car, didn't just read it in a book, go to a class and go, okay, you're ready to go, right? No, you had to take driver's hours, you had to get out there, and even those driver's hours were like, some had to be at night, some needed to be in traffic, all those things went on to kind of create you as a, the, the safe and wonderful driver that you are today, right? Like you had to get there. No one just showed up on the road and no one's parents handed them the keys and said, get to, you know, get to work outside of Mark's did. Mark's did. We found it the other night. Mark, Mark's parents let him at 14. I don't know if let him. They basically sent him out to go get himself to the gym uh, at 14 years old with no driver education whatsoever. And at night. And at night. Even better. Even better. I'm, yeah. Less traffic more dangerous but less traffic so like there's that picture of what does it look like to disciple right is meaning we need to do it in everyday life like if we just said hey this is what it's like to go live life and what we talk about here is great right but when we get outside of these walls when we get outside off of our couches and out into the world it's very different it doesn't work that way and so to be a disciple made and formed it has to happen in the everyday stuff of life it has to happen as you go and I want to remind us, you either choose to be formed by Christ or you will be formed by the world and culture that are around you. And that's not saying that everything in the world is bad and trying to bring you down, but the reality is our hearts and the world around us are shaping and forming us against into a different mold. They're not shaping us to be like Christ. They're not shaping us for kingdom work. They're shaping us to make themselves and each, everything around it more comfortable, right? It's not about a standard in, that's set about the kingdom of God. So following Jesus is countercultural. There's not one political party that owns it, but it's about an upside-down kingdom led by our Heavenly Father and our servant King Jesus that we're empowered to live through the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about being believers and following Jesus and being a disciple, it means living a radically different life than those around us. And again, not to go like, hey, we're better, not, but it's saying like, we're set apart for kingdom work, for what God has called us to do. And we want you to join in that, right? We've been called into reconciliation to bring people into that. So as disciples desiring to live the fullest life possible that is only found in Jesus, right? Like to, to really fully be found in who Jesus is, that is the full, best life there is. There's not a better life apart from Jesus, if that's how it is, how do we make disciples and live on mission? So we see mission as our life, not something we're adding on. It's not something we're doing on the side. It's not that we go through this other stuff and just add life onto it or add mission onto it. So as we're going out and all the stuff we're doing, we're, we're seeing that as our mission. So uh, as we look at every culture and every day of our, uh, of our life, we see natural rhythms that if we live them intentionally, that's the key word here, living intentionally, allow us to share and show the good news of Jesus in all of life. So last week we looked at two of those rhythms uh, out of this, this blessed rhythm. The first one was bless. We we're blessed to be a blessing. And as you have been blessed, you are to bless one another. And so we, we talked about that. That happens in three areas, right? We bless God. We praise God. We, this was a great opportunity to do that today, just to sing praises back to God, to honor and acknowledge his name. And then we do that with our community, right? We talked about that, that we should be people who outdo one another in honor and giving honor to one another and lifting up praise and, and, and being an encouragement. And then we do that with our neighbors, right? We do that by, by being a blessing to other people. How do we do that? It's, it's through words, it's through deeds, it's through gifts, right, of our time, talent, and treasure. You bless somebody by giving them a bit of your time. It doesn't take much, right? It's simple, simple. Simple. My, my neighbor across the street that we're still kind of building a relationship with um, posted on our, our, our neighborhood Facebook group that they got a package, or their package didn't get delivered to their house. 
And so I went to look on our porch because that would be the natural deal there across the street. Didn't show up on our porch. It took me about 24 hours to realize, oh yeah, our other neighbors next on the side of us, they're out of town. I wonder if it got delivered to their house. Sure enough, it did. So I walked over there, picked it up. It was a huge, I, I got myself, a, it was a huge Ikea box. And so I was like, it was like filled with, you know, how Ikea likes to pack everything into the smallest possible thing. It was a huge box. And I thought, oh, I'll just take it over there. It was like, and then I got about halfway through. I was like, why am I doing this? But I went and set it on their porch, messaged her back. Hey, we, your, your package ended up over here, but they're out of town. Just want to let you know. And again, this is a simple thing. It took a little bit of my time, right? Uh, I, don't know, I won't call it talent, I'll just call it natural gift and ability of being a giant person. It's not something specific, it's just what I am. I can pick up this thing. It would have taken both of them to try to get it across the street, right? And it was simple. They're like, oh, that was so awesome. Thank you, you didn't have to do that. And again, I'm not doing that to, to like go, hey, look at me. I'm just saying that's how simple it is to help somebody, to bless somebody. To say, hey, there's this one thing I can do, see it, holding open doors. We see some of that as just like general kindness. That's a blessing in the world around us today. When you are thinking of others more than you're thinking yourself, that's blessing. When you're thinking about them and seeing what they're doing, what they're going through and saying, hey, I'm going to take care of that for them, that's being a blessing. So you do that in word and deed by giving of your time, talent, and treasure. All those things, outdoing one another and giving honor. The next one we talked about is listening, the, the, the rhythm of listening, and how do we live that out in our everyday life. Um, and honestly, this is one of those gifts that's probably most desired from the world around us for people that are just willing to listen, to hear what other people have to say, to understand and, and, and figure out what's going on, and it's most needed, especially coming out of this kind of post-pandemic life, people just needing someone else to listen to what's going on in their life, who they are and what's, about, and, and what's going on in their own hearts. And we go back to those same three areas, to listen to God. How important is it for us to listen to God on a regular basis? We talked about that as we talk through prayer. Part of praying is just being silent before the Lord. To listen, what does He have to say to me today? What truth do I need to be around? We sing about it in these songs that his word is speaking powerfully over us. So we need to listen to that word. We, need, we, we listen to God by, by reading God's word, by ingesting that word to remind ourselves of our need of him. To learn to listen to that still, small voice. We do that by listening in community, right? If you're around each other enough, right, we can hear when things are different. It's, it's both uh, vulnerable and hard, but also very good, all right? I love it when somebody in our church family will say, hey, are you okay? You're just not, you're not, you don't seem yourself. Sounds a little different today. Like, you can tell by watching, observing, recognizing how someone's talking that things might not be okay. So we're listening for those cues, right? We're seeing here's a way that we need to encourage someone else. We need to, we need, we're listening to what's going on, how they're struggling. And we do that with our neighbors by listening with an intent to hear, not to speak. To listen to what they have to say. And we talked about that by asking good questions. We'll talk about this more about how to be good listeners. One of the ways we're going to keep implementing these rhythms is uh, through the months of July and August, what we're going to do is each week at the beginning of the week, each week is going to have one of those letters. And we're just going to take time to focus on that through each of the week. More ways that we can get better at being, at blessing, at listening, at eating, at speaking, and at Sabbathing. So each week is going to have a theme to continue going down that. But one of those I shared both in our, in our missional community and our DNA this last week that I found as I was looking at this rhythm of listening was the difference of supportive listening, right? Or, or kind of what I'll call, I'm kind of rephrasing it, but selfish listening, which is the idea that I want to take some listening to somebody. And if James was saying like, hey man, uh, my dog got out of the house the other day and it was, I had to run around the, uh, you know, the neighborhood trying to figure out where, the, where my dog was at. Now, if I'm hearing James say that, um, my response, if I'm selfish, is go, oh yeah, my dog runs around and gets, yeah, he gets out all the time, and I used to have that problem too, and it becomes to take what he's talking about and turning it back to me, right? As opposed to, if I'm being a good listener, I hear that and go, oh man, how was that? Did you find the dog? Did he get like, and we ask more questions to get more information, to understand more of what they're going through. What, that, what, that, what was that like? How did you experience that? This idea of training ourselves to be better listeners so that we can ask better questions, so that we can know more about them, know their stories. Um, 
to think of, again, thinking of others as more than we think of ourselves helps us to be good at blessing, good at listening. Again, it's not to add more than what we're talking about doing. What we're asking is not to say, hey, now you need to go have this special listening time in your day. No, you're going throughout your day and you have those interactions to be able to speak with somebody. I was on a walk last night, see a new neighbor, talk to them, begin to hear and listen to their story. I don't have to get it all done in that moment, right? I think sometimes we can pull, that, that, that pulls away some of the pressure. I'm listening for the opportunity. Opportunity's not there. I go on and go, God, give me, I'm ready for the next opportunity. I'm hearing what they have to say. I'm building upon that. Oh, that connects over here. I'll connect that the next time we talk. Another reason to talk to them. The opportunity to listen and bless lead us into this next rhythms that we go into. And again, just an encouragement to this. These are, these, if, if you, um, pull anything extra out of today, it's, a, again, these are living everyday life with intentionality. Just saying, I'm going to be intentional with my day, and I'm going to do this, not having to add more, just thinking about how can I do this as I go today? God, as I go, will you make me aware of what I need to do? So the two meals, I mean, two, the two meals, the two uh, um, rhythms we'll talk about today are eating and speaking. Uh, if you were to say, uh, 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 if you were to think about it for a moment, do you have a most memorable meal? Anybody think of right now, like what's the first meal that comes to your head? Might be the last meal, <laughs> I just remember I ate yesterday. But you have a most memorable meal, right? And what, what made it memorable? What made the meal memorable? So anybody here want to share? Good food, the people, okay. How long ago was it? Recent? Yesterday. Yesterday. A while ago, okay? Like, if you think about it, if you were thinking about some of your memories in life, how many of them center around some type of food, some type of table, being together with other people, right? There's a lot of them. A whole lot of them. When I think about memorable meals in my life, there's, I mean, I started doing this yesterday as I was thinking, there's like, there's a ton that I would just, and I started get, diving into it. It's like, there's from this house and then from this part of my life. And as a kid, I remember this and I, I remember different stories and all they, they stand out, right? They remind us of important times in our life. My, my family, uh, my extended family uh, used to have weekly meals together um, as we all kind of got out of the house and it, the meals used to be on Monday night, uh, but then they didn't work on Monday night anymore, and so we needed to move them to Tuesday night, so instead of having Monday night dinner, uh, we had Tuesday night dinner, but we called it Monday night dinner on Tuesday. That's what we called it. And Monday night dinner on Tuesday was open for any, it was an open invitation, really for anybody. And there were, no joke, not, it was not uncommon on, on Tuesday afternoon for my mom to get texts and phone calls, hey, we've so-and-so's coming over, so-and-so's coming over, so to have 20, even upwards of 30 people at my parents' house to share meals on Tuesday nights together. This is while my mom is full-time working, all right? So she would come home, and we're, I mean, we would help with this. We didn't just show up and say, feed me food, but we would get together, but it would consist of my mom and dad, my sisters, their friends, Jill and I, our friends and family. It was a big part of our lives, and those, especially early marriage, like to just bring people over that, um, and, and then begin to share meals. My, great, uh, my grandfather was a part of that early on. Uh, Jill's dad, Glenn, was a part of that, and just everybody kind of had their seat at the table. Everybody had their role that went on, and amazing, fun things. We used to say, like, you gotta be careful at the family meals, at the Monday night dinners on Tuesday, because, like, the truth comes out, right? Like you sit around that table, there's something about that, that as you start talking, you just begin to share what's happening in your life. I remember one of the memorable moments of that was, uh, or two of them are both of my sisters. One, uh, my, my youngest sister was still in high school and we were sharing stories of skipping school and she's still in high school and shared, well, well the other day I did this. And I was like, no, 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 you can't share stories like that like when, it's still, when you're still in mom and dad's house. Like that's not a good thing. Don't share the story like two weeks ago where you skipped school. It's easy for me when it was seven or eight years ago. Not so good for you right now. And the other story was my, my middle sister uh, uh, was, uh, had just turned, I believe, 21 and had gotten a tattoo right above her, back, her lower back back here. And at the same time, Jill's brother had been coming over to these weekly meals with us, living in town. But the whole time it had his, um, is it septum that where you're pierced up in here, right? He'd had this pierced. But my parents never knew because he flipped it back up every time he came up for over a year. Over a year, they never knew. And so the whole night, as the good big brother that I am, what was I doing? I was throwing hints about Andrea's tattoo, trying to get that to come out, and she did not want everybody to know. And finally, she was like, this is it, it's coming clean. And she goes, 
fine, I got a tattoo, but Scott, he's got a nose ring and nobody knows about it. It's like all this, you know, you go back and I tell that story and I think about that moment. It was an amazing moment and it was centered around an ordinary meal, right? There was nothing, I couldn't tell you what we ate that night. I don't know what was on the menu. I don't know what my mom did. I know I probably enjoyed it. But the food was a part to get us into more life together. Now, I want to say eating is great. Good food, great. Good food can make a good, right? right? You can think back to the best meal you've had. And oh, yeah, there was this time and that. And that's a part of it. We want to enjoy good food. Like, that's a part of it. I believe that's part of that celebrating mode that, that lines up here with eat. But I share that, those stories because the reality to that, the significance of the story isn't the meal itself, but what coming together and sharing the table does for us and, and to us. It opens us up. People just begin to share around my mom and dad's table, both funny stories and heart-wrenching stories because it just is what happens when you get around the table. It's part of what goes on. So when we think about meals for us, right? Now, unless, uh, those of you who haven't got to know James, James told us the other day he eats like one meal a day. So this might be a little different for James than anybody else, but most of us eat like three meals a day, right? At a minimum, some of us a little more, some of us a little less. But these meals each time are an opportunity. They show us a little bit about who we are, right? What we're eating, how we're eating, show us about who we are. But they're also a reminder, uh, ultimately, of our need of nourishment from, the out, from outside of us. None of us are self-sufficient. We have to take something in, right? We don't have everything we already need. This goes to a part, a reminder that we're all needy. We need food and nutrients and water every day. If we don't, it's not good. In the same picture of that, when Jesus starts equating himself to being the bread of life, it's a reminder that we, he's tapping into that, that primal need for us every day, day in and day out. We need the food. We need sustenance to get through to the next day. We need something from outside of us to come inside of us. And that's the same picture of Jesus. In, Matthew, or in John chapter 6, we've talked about this before, when we talk through uh, Jesus uh, being our daily bread in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but as he's teaching them, again, John chapter 6 starts off with, um, at first we hear the, the story of uh, feeding the 5,000, which is a great meal. Imagine that story, right? The, the, the fish and the loaves that day were not the story. When people walked away, they didn't go, you know what was great about today is the fish and the bread. Now, maybe it was the best fish and bread ever, but it was the fact that a few loaves and some fish fed 5,000 plus people, and there were 12 baskets left over, one for each disciple. That's the amazing part of that story, but it was centered around the meal. They go away later, Jesus wa after that, Jesus walks on water, and then the story picks up in, in, in just a little bit in, in uh, verse 32, and he's talking more and more about how Moses had been the bread, had given the bread through um, the manna, and but Jesus is beginning to say, like, I'm that bread that was there, the manna that you're talking about, that's me. And he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven, but my Father that gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. And what was their response? I, I still, this is still affecting me. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Even the people that were doubting in that moment were saying, I want that bread that gives life and that only comes from God. I want that bread. I need that in me every day. So later on, as, as the um, uh, Sadducees and, and other Jews are beginning to uh, kind of test Jesus in verse 52, um, they begin to argue back and forth about Jesus is talking about, wait, he's the bread and give us eat his flesh. And Jesus sa he says, the Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because the Father because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. 
This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread of our fathers that ate it and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus is saying, listen, the most important meal or thing you're going to eat is the, your relationship with him. Is, it's, I mean, he equates himself also to the word. It's getting into the word of God and saying, I want more of Jesus. I need more of Jesus. One of the things that um, I got in, uh, I, I encountered when beginning to plant Soma or even talking about planting Soma in a church that was not primarily focused only on the Sunday gathering was, oh yeah, what's going to happen is you're going to kind of like get away from the God's word or you're not going to need the power of God because you're saying like, I do all this other stuff and it's exact opposite. I feel like it requires more of God's word in me because I can't live this life apart. We cannot live everyday life on mission apart from God's word and without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. And so we have to regularly fill ourselves up with more of Jesus. It's spending time with him. It's wanting to be with him, right? We talk about a disciple as one who wants to be with Jesus. We have to change our longing. That's often the prayer of my heart in the morning when I'm not longing after him in the morning. Make me want more of you. I need more of you. I need you in my heart. I need him. And, he, and Jesus isn't literally saying like when you eat the bread, it turns into his flesh. When you drink the juice, it turns into his blood. He's not saying those things. He's giving the picture of what the depth of what it means to really be all in for him. It means I, you're going to get sustainment and nourishment through him. So Jesus is ultimately our nourishment from outside of us. He gives us everything we need when we need it. Who did, the second part of this is to think about is, who did Jesus eat with? Who do you eat with? Those are those two questions. But put those together. Who did Jesus eat with? Who do you eat with? Think about the, the stories that we know throughout the Gospels of who Jesus ate with. We, we know the, the, usually the one that first comes up, Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus. He's a wee little man. He goes off and says, I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. And he goes over to his house for dinner. Tax collector, no one liked him. Everyone was against him. And Jesus is the one to say, hey, you come here. I'm going to your house today. He could have chosen everybody there. A lot of people probably more worthy of it. But yet he chose the sinner. Think about the disciples. In fact, Matthew chapter 9, at Jesus calling Matthew. He says in verse 9 and 13, he says, Jesus passed on from there and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And Jesus reclined at the table in, uh, in um, and sorry, verse 10, and Jesus reclined at the table in the house. And behold, many tax collectors and senders came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And, the, and when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those, who are, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So seated around the table with Jesus, one or a bunch of people like Jesus, mainly because there's no one like Jesus, right? But the other side of that is the picture of his relationship. He's choosing to have around his table People who need to hear the gospel, that he need to hear the good news, that need more of him. He's picking a disciple, Matthew, as a tax collector. He's, he's picking the enemy of all the Israelites. Come be a part of us right now. And, and I'm not only that, I'm going to come join your table. And look what happened when he went to his house. Not just, it wasn't just Matthew. It says, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples around the table. Jesus is the friend of sinners. We hear that, but this is what it looks like to be a friend of sinners. That they feel welcomed and comfortable in your, in your place. Um, one of Reagan's friends told her the other day that she didn't, uh, he didn't think, he, he couldn't believe that I was a pastor, didn't seem like a pastor. And Reagan took offense to that. And I was like, I think I'd like that. <laughs> Um, I've been told that many times. I don't know if that's good or bad, right? I'm like, I'm trying to, I don't know how to feel for that. I, I honestly take it as, if it means that you're comfortable being around me and maybe you don't normally feel comfortable being around a pastor, then I like that. I want, I want people to be, feel, to feel comfortable that then when they, because that's the hardest thing when I tell neighbors 
or new people that I meet, oh, your pastor's like, especially if they've started, you know, using special language around and all of a sudden you say that like, oh, I'm sorry, let's begin to apologize. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. No, like that's not a big deal. You be you, you're, it's fine, come in. Like you're accepted as you are. That's why we even started that today to remind it just as you are, you're, I love you. You can come be a part of the table right here. I hope as you see this, you see that there's a change and transformation that's gone in and out of that, you want to live a different life and we begin to move to the next one, speak here in a moment, but that calls us to speak and tell of the good news, right? But the table is an opportunity for us to welcome people in, for them to feel at home, to feel loved and cared for and a part of the family. Later, when, when Jesus turns uh, the Passover meal into the Lord's Supper that we, we will take later. He says, now they were eating and Jesus took the bread and after passing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he gave thanks to them, he said, drink all of it for this is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for many forgiveness, uh, for the forgiveness of sins. I'll tell you that you will not, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it with you for my Father's kingdom. He instituted this Lord's, this meal, this table that we come together each week. It's the center of our gathering to say like we come together to be, take part in what Jesus did for us. Around that table were men that would deny him, one that would betray him, and yet he shared that meal with them. So I want you to think about that not only as our neighbors, as we think to neighbors, he brought around people on the table that he didn't necessarily, I mean, he loved, but he knew weren't going to be following along and agreeing with him in the next moment. They were going to turn their back on him. He had washed their feet and was now sharing this meal, breaking bread with them. So we see, we ask that question, who are we eating with? What does it look like? Are we, are we even sharing meals? You know, when are you eating? You know, you want to get a gut punch. Sometimes you just need to ask your kids or uh, uh, the truth and the reality of what's going on around you. The other day, Wyatt said to somebody, I want to grow up and be like dad because he can just drive around and eat food in his car and throw all the trash on the ground. <laughs> oh, I'm, it, it's recorded up here. I didn't forget that one. It's like, ouch, ouch. That's what I do with my life. I just drive around grabbing food and eating in my car and throwing the trash on the ground. That's what life's like. Ouch. But an observation of how we're eating shows us a little bit about what's going on in our life, right? When am I eating? Who am I eating with? Yeah, what am I eating is a whole other thing. We won't get into the conviction of whether you're eating healthy or not, but that's another thing, right? You ever start watching that? That dictates a lot. That shows that that impacts us. Who are we eating with? Are you sharing a meal with anybody that doesn't agree with you? Because I can guarantee you, the sinners and tax collectors that sat around the table with Jesus would not agree with him. He didn't agree with them. But yet he shared a meal with them. Or do we only get around people on the table that are like us, that, 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 that make us feel good about ourselves, or, or is the meal about maybe bringing other people in to experience? What did Jesus say? I didn't came for the well. I came for the sick. I came for those in need. Are there people with needs showing up around your table that you might be able to help them fill that need and point them to the ultimate need, the thing we all need, which is Jesus, right? That's the meals. I want to connect into this. Um, we, when we used to teach these rhythms, one of them separate was celebration. And I think the BLESS acronym is a lot helpful, a lot more helpful. Uh, but I will say part of, part of eating is celebrating, right? And, and I've heard this said a few times last few months. I do think at Soma, we, 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 we are doing good. I want us to continue to do well in celebrating and loving one another. And part of that's around meals, right? That's what we're trying to do is get together and say, hey, this is good. God gave us this. Let's celebrate this together. And think of all the things that Jesus did and the way he used celebrations and meals uh, for his mission as they went throughout their day life. And in fact, that's what God instituted, so many of these festivals and feasts and meals to be reminders around food. To say like, hey, here's this good thing you're already gonna do, let's take this thing and make it even better. I wanna encourage us today, some of you today, some of us today, um, often our foods and meals are abused to find comfort. It's the thing we use to try to help us feel better about ourselves or to get through a struggle, right? Right, the joke like, oh, get my, my uh, you know, chocolate ice cream out of the refrigerator if I need it. 
Because um, that's the thing I'm going to find comfort from. Again, it's taking something out and bringing it in, saying this is the thing I want to give me comfort. When the thing I ought to be reaching for is Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you right now. Why do I need comfort for something right now? Oh, it's because I probably need you in this moment and not something that will satisfy me for the moment, right? But as soon as I'm done with it, going like, oh, why'd I do that? Why'd I do that? Meals and eating are an opportunity for mission. Who is welcome at your table? I think of my parents' dining room table and all the life and people that have sat around that table and the love that's shared. I know Jill posted in our group me the picture of our old dining room table that was a hand-me-down from her grandma. That's basically, I know it's been all the life that we've had in Soma. I know it, we had it before we even started Soma and all the meals that have been shared around that table. And I'm thankful like God has blessed. Like, and, it, and again, the table itself isn't special. But what's happened around that table is very special. God has brought us together, united us, and ultimately, it's, it's this combined with um, the next uh, rhythm that I want to encourage us in. That I think when we're sharing meals, part of that, if we're taking in the blessing and the, eat, and the listening and the eating, it has to lead us to another part, which is beginning to speak and share the story, the good news. That if we do all of this without sharing uh, about why this matters... If we share a bunch of good meals and celebrate and we do that, but we don't ever speak the truth of the gospel, we don't ever give them that bread that they're saying, yes, we want this bread always. And again, whether your, your non-believing friends know it or not, whether the, the furthest person you know from Jesus knows it or not, what they really want is Jesus. They want that bread always. Now, they might not know it yet, and I don't have to convince them that. We'll talk about that in a minute. My job isn't to say, beat them over the head until they agree, but to know the Spirit is already at work, right? We said the Spirit's the greatest discipler. He is already at work in their life. Let's just join in with where he's going, right? To speak. And I would say this S is kind of have a, has a double S, both speak and story. Because what, what story are we speaking in? Communication and story are important. Uh, first, we're speaking with God, right? So we talked about prayer, and I won't spend a lot of time talking through this portion of talking back to God because we talked all of the first part of this year about speaking to God. But there can't be anything more important for us than communing and being with God. We do that through the Word of God and through prayer. So if you want to speak to God, speaking to God is both listening and speaking back to Him. When, you're, when your heart is troubled, when you're weary, when you're burdened, when you're feeling those emotions rise up, that's the moment when we need to be speaking back to God. And then as we move from thinking about our relationship or speaking to God, we speak to our community, our family, our church. And what is our church and family made up? And I would say of two parts. It's one part of sharing stories, Right? Like, because stories are what make us and kind of bring us together and unite us. So we can tell a story about this thing that happened over there. We got to share several times last week the story of Allison drinking the gallon of uh, sweet tea. It's a story that we go back and everybody go, oh, you haven't heard that story? Oh, we got to tell you that story because that's part of who we are, right? If you haven't heard that story, we'll tell it another time. It'll be great. Maybe Allison will drink another gallon of sweet tea for us. Maybe, maybe so. But those stories begin to build and draw us together and they knit our community together. And it's the stories that we go, oh, yes, we're connected. We have these things that connect us, these pieces that we remind that we've been living life together for a long time. It's both sharing stories and sharing the truth and love that is important to us as a body of Christ, right? Because if we are the body of Christ, we need to speak the truth to one another in love as well. We need to have that place where we can speak honestly and truthfully about who we are and what we are to be about. We've talked about this from Ephesians chapter 4 several times, but I want to point it out again. Ephesians 4.11 says this, And he gave apostles, uh, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain the unity, unity of the faith and the, known, and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he's saying, listen, we've been given the, ch the church. Th those definitions there are giftings in the church, right? It's not one person. It's a bunch of people coming together, united with their giftedness, saying we bring this together so that we might receive the fullness of Christ. 
so that we may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. In other words, that we are going to go out into a world that has all these other stories that it's going to be throwing at you, all this other truth, and we're going to be combating that day after day after day that's full of waves, again, different doctrines, human cunning, craftiness and deceitful schemes. It says, but rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, the soma, joined to, and held together by every joint which it, when it, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That we would speak the truth to one another so that in that truth, each of us using our gifts and abilities, you're uniquely gifted and made and brought to be a part of Soma because of those giftings so that God would use that so that you would build up the body of Christ. Some of you are generous givers. God's brought you that. Speak that truth. It's not just saying like, hey, I'm going to do that. And it's not just giving of finances. It's giving of time and talent. But it's saying, hey, speak that. We need that brought out. We need the truth spoken to us. We need that from each other, from trusted brothers and sisters. To know that when I'm stepping off the rails, I need the truth given back to me. No one is immune to that. Not even me. No one out here is, is immune to not needing the, the truth spoken to them, even when we don't want to hear it. And so I want to encourage you to think about that, to think about how can I um, both continue to share the stories that bring us and make us one. Because that's what, what that does is we share that story with other people who don't know that story. What we're saying is we're, we're inviting you in to the family, right? When you learn stories about people's family, you're saying, hey, this is their family story. Oh, really? Then I know more about you. Then I can share that story with someone else. When I know your story, it helps us connect that to others. And then when we're sharing and speaking the truth in love, it helps us to know like, hey, I've got people that care about me enough to speak the truth to me. And then the last aspect of that, our neighbors and speaking and story, is we need to share the good news, speak the good news. We need to share the, the best story, right? It, I'm just going to flash through this real quick. The, the images will be up on the screen. But as we think about, we've talked about the Bible as one big redemptive story, right? Uh, we have those six arcing narratives, one creation where we talk about God created the world. Again, we can even talk about speaking. The important part of that is he spoke it into existence. All of creation spoken into existence by a creator God that created everything perfect, right? And then we find really quickly after that in Genesis, the rebellion. Where, where, where we as humankind decided we wanted to be like God. And in that story, we take over the reins. In that picture, it's Adam and Eve. They say, like, we want to do, we want to be like God. And in that rebellion, we turn from God and go about our own way. That's where sin enters the world, right? All sin is rebellion against God and God's ways. And if we left the story there, it's not really good. But it moves from there to the promise. We see through from Genesis 12 on, basically from Genesis 3 to Genesis 12, just a lot of continued rebellion, 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 rebellion. Genesis 12 comes along and God makes a promise. We talked about it last week. The promise to bless all the nations through Abram. And it's a promise that this is one day going to be restored. This is an amazing story. That one day things will get better. It's a promise moving forward. And that makes it all the way through the end of the Old Testament. We move into the New Testament, the story of redemption. God bringing redemption to the world through Jesus Christ. That no longer do we have to be in rebellion to God, but we can be reconciled with God. We can be renewed and restored with God. People need to hear that story. And that from the Gospels, that moves on into the church. That that's the age we're living in now. That the church is here to be God's representative to the world, to bring the kingdom of God to the world around us to love and care for the, key, the, the world around us. And lastly, there's the hope that we're looking for, and that's the ultimate restoration of all things. That God has promised that through Jesus, one day all will be restored to the kingdom of God. And he will be over all. And we'll, there will be no more sin, no more sickness. That's good news. 
That again is counter to the story that everyone else is living in apart from Jesus. So we have to be ones that are continuing to point people back to the story of God, to speak the truth, the story of God to other people. If we think of these verses, it, it uh, reminded me first of Romans chapter 10, of just needing some scriptural encouragement for this. Romans 10 says it this way, but if you confess, which is speaking, right? If you confess with your mouth, that's speaking. I'll make sure if you did. Confession could be in my head. I confess in my head. But if you speak with your mouth, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart of one who believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So speaking is a part of this, right? It's not just hearing it and knowing it, but saying, yes, I believe. I believed. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the, same Lord is, is, for the same Lord is of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's not just an internal call, but is the call. Right? It's, it's, it's a call out. And how then will they call on him who, whom they have not believed? And then how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard of? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And this is where a lot of people get thrown off here because they see what I'm doing today is preaching and going, oh, oh, okay, well, we just need preachers. We just need more preachers out there. I don't have to do that part. I just bring people here and then they hear the preaching and then it goes out today. I want to, I want to change your definition of that word right there. It's a better way to look at that. Is how will they not hear, uh, how, sorry, how will they not hear without someone proclaiming it? That's what preaching is. It's proclaiming the good news. In every one of the disciples, what are they called to do in Matthew 28? Go proclaim the good news. As you go, proclaim the good news. In your everyday life, proclaim the good news. Speak the good news. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Paul's saying this as knowing we've already been sent. We are sent ones, missionaries. I want you to hear this. How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news. Who proclaim the good news. We need to be one that are proclaiming that story of God to people. We need to recite it to ourselves. That we have been in rebellion. We are. We, we continually rebel and sin against God and need, need to come back to forgiveness and repentance. But yet there's this ultimate deal we have to come to and proclaim and say, it is, I need Jesus. And if we think about this later on, first, Peter says it this way as he's encouraging us. And we remember back as we studied First Peter, we came across these verses. It says, but even if you should suffer, First Peter 3, 14 through 16, suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear the threats and do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks uh, ask you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So if you're living a, a life that requires a gospel explanation, that requires the Spirit's power to do it, people are going to go, how are you doing it? How is this happening? How do you forgive someone? How do you live the life you're living? I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. And at that moment, that's your opportunity to give the answer for what the hope that you have, why you're living the way you're living. And I'll be honest, it's easier to just say, oh, well, you know, I've been working on that. You know, athletes get a hard time because they'll get interviewed and they'll first start off saying, all glory to God. I just want to give God glory. And people are like, oh, well, who God, you think God cares about your football game? I don't think God really cares about the football game. But God cares about getting glory for in all things, right? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, in, in whatever you eat and whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. So when someone gets up and says, I just got to give God glory right now, and you're like, why, why, why does God care about whether you won that award or not? Or what? No, it doesn't matter. Because if they interviewed the loser and they still said the same thing, they'd be like, well, what do you think? God, oh, wait, God lost today? No, God didn't win or lose today. God gets glory. I'm gonna, I can't help but speak the good news, right? It reminds us of Acts chapter 4, when the apostles, when Peter is being uh, in front of the, the very Sadducees and Pharisees that, that crucified Jesus, is proclaiming Jesus as the, 
the, the answer to all their problems, they're getting together and they're getting ready. They're like, we got to get rid of these guys. And they come back to him and say, you can't speak the name of Jesus anymore. And Peter says to them, I love this, verse 19 and 20 of Acts chapter 4. And Peter and John answer them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you've got to judge. Listen, I hate, they're like, listen, I've got an authority. And God's here and you're under that authority. So whether it's right to you, that's between you and God. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. I can't help but continue telling the story of how my life has been changed. We can't help but continue saying, this is God's provision. So in your life, when God has provided, your only obligation is to be faithful to tell that story. Provide the answer. You don't have to, you don't have to need them to respond to it. It's not your responsibility to do that. Like that's even what, what Peter and John are saying. We, we, we don't know what your response is here, but what we have to keep doing is proclaiming what we have seen and what we have heard. We have to keep doing that over and over and over again. We have to be people who are willing to speak what we've seen and heard to a dying world that does not know the good news. It doesn't require us to be, again, some of the language and the stuff that use, we get confused when we hear preaching and the other words in, in, in 1 Peter 3, sometimes we hear uh, create a defense, like that we're, that we're on the defense against, you know, against the world around us. Like that, 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 that's one way to look at it. But it puts us in a posture like, I can't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a good at apologetics. Or I don't know how to fight off someone else. I don't have to fight off anyone else. That's what Peter and John are saying here. I don't got to fight you off. I don't got to prove you right or wrong. I just got to tell you what I've seen and what I've heard. And you can say it's hogwash. You can say it's, you know, old wives tale or whatever you want. But it, it's happening for me. It's continuing to happen. I follow Jesus. I submit my life to him. He keeps doing these things. He's doing this. I'm going to keep giving him praise for that. We can't help but speak the truth. I love even after that, we don't have the, the, the words for this, but later in chapter 4, what do the, the, all the apostles get together and all the disciples get together and do after this? They pray that God gives them more boldness to speak the truth of Jesus. They just stood in front of the people that crucified Jesus and told them, listen, whether you believe it or not, Jesus is the one you crucified, and it's because of him that we're here today. I don't know how you get any more bold than that. But they're just saying, God, we want more boldness. Give us more boldness. Would we ask, would we crave for more boldness? And that doesn't mean, again, going on the street corner and pointing at people down and saying, you're not following Jesus. No, it's just saying, in my daily life, as I go out, I'm going to speak the truth as I need to speak the truth. I'm going to speak the story of God as the story of God needs to be shared with people that need to hear it. You, Jesus didn't come here for those who are already well. He came for the sick. Who needs to hear that story in your life? Can you think of somebody right now that needs to hear the good news of Jesus? If you don't have a name that's automatically popping to your head, the next best question is going, God, who do I need to speak that truth to today? Would you put somebody in my life? Now, some of you might not want to pray that because he's going to do it. And then you're going to be faced with that obligation or that, that option later in the day or later coming up to, to do I proclaim that truth now or do I not? Do I, do I stand into it? And, and I've been there. I've been there and prayed this prayer and the next day, you know, that afternoon, God put somebody in my path. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I, I don't want, uh, no, I don't know how it's going to go. And I, and I bypass it and, and I miss that opportunity. I don't beat myself up for it. I, I mess up. I make mistakes. But there are also days when I've spoken that truth and it's been something I need to hear. But then they go on their life and I don't know what God does with that. I just have to be faithful. Again, just like Peter and John, I'm going to do my part. I'm just going to keep saying out what I need to say. I'm going to keep speaking the truth boldly. So is there a person or a group of people God is calling you to be intentional right now with living out any of these rhythms as we've talked about so far. Bless, listen, eat, speak. Again, this is everyday life stuff. And sometimes there's going to be specificness to this that he's like, yes, be intentional. Because like to share a meal with somebody doesn't happen easily, right? 
And sometimes we have to say, listen, because I'm trying to be intentional with who I'm eating with, I'm going to not eat with some other people. Because I want to eat with this person. So I want to make that happen. I'm going to clear my schedule so I can get a meal with them. Or it's, hey, God's put this person on my heart. I'm going to keep praying for ways that our paths intersect. And maybe that's intentionally by sending them a text or giving them a call and say, hey, the Lord put you on my heart. And let God work from there. I'm amazed at how many times in the afternoon, I'm like trying to figure out which coffee shop I'm going to or which route I'm going to take to do this or that. And I'm just asking the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to like direct my steps as I go. And how many times I've encountered somebody that needed an encouragement. How, how many times I've encountered somebody that encouraged me. How many times I was able to speak the truth to somebody that needed to hear the truth. Bless somebody to sit alongside. I, I, I don't get to always choose. And sometimes it just happens out of the blue. It happened to me just the other day, sitting in a coffee shop. A friend of mine came over, hadn't seen in a while, sat down, got to catch up. It was awesome. Got to encourage her, got to hear about what's going on in her life and pray for her. She's going out the rest of her summer. Got to also share about what's going on with us. It was a great opportunity. It was also like meant that the rest of my day, I didn't go run that errand that I was going to do right after that. Because I was like, I began to think like right now, this is what God, God, this is the conversation you want me to have. That we would be attuned to the Holy Spirit, listening to the whole, that still small voice, that's part of our listening to God, then going, God, where do you want to work in me? How do I need to speak the truth to someone today? So again, as I said, like if you're great at these rhythms or you feel like these rhythms are a whole lot to add on to your life or don't know where this is going to go for you, we're going to continue this out throughout the rest of the summer. But this is the start for us today to focus our hearts and minds and say, God, we want you to, to use our everyday life, the normal parts of our life, to be a blessing and honor to the world around us. Let me pray for us. Father, as we continue out, as we send us out today in just a few moments and we go out into our everyday life, God, would you help us to be people um, who are blessing others? Who listen to you and listen to the stories of those we encounter. Who are intentional with every meal we eat, recognizing that every meal we have is a gift and a provision from you both for our sustenance and an opportunity to invite others in. And God, I pray that same prayer of the apostles out of Acts 4, that we would speak with more boldness of the good news of Jesus, that we wouldn't be able to do anything other than speak your truth. I pray for your spirit to empower us this week as we go out to live out these rhythms. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.